0: The second phase is related to the change of president and government in Uzbekistan. This period covers 2017 and onwards. The government's anti-corruption and anti-bribery policy has changed drastically.
1: That was Kayut Salianov, who is from Uzbekistan, but is studying to get an MBA at the University of Pittsburgh. He visits with us about the growth of of anti-corruption in his home country of Uzbekistan, how a law was put in place, how that law was enforced through an agency, his experience in working in compliance in Uzbekistan, and his experience as a master's degree candidate in the United States. It's a fascinating podcast, and I know you will enjoy it. The FCPA Compliance Report is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Before
0: we get to them, we're going to have a quick word from our sponsor. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for
1: another episode. And today I have with me Hayot Salanjavo. Hopefully I got that. He is a master's degree candidate at the University of Pittsburgh. And as you will discover, he's not from Texas. He is from Uzbekistan. And he is our first guest on any of my podcasts from Uzbekistan. So we're going to have a fascinating discussion about compliance in an emerging market that I don't think many people have really explored greatly. Hi, out. first of all, if I did butcher your name, I apologize. But thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me on the podcast today.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for inviting and having me, Thomas. I have a lot of things to, uh, to tell our listeners about Uzbekistan, specifically about compliance. So tell us your,
1: a little bit about your professional background and how
0: did you get to the University of Pittsburgh? Absolutely, Thomas. Higher one, as Thomas mentioned, I've been doing my MBA degree at the University of Pittsburgh, Joseph M. Katz Business School. Prior to joining business school, I worked in multiple international companies, such as Dion, and Uzato State Owned company. Primarily, my compliance expertise covered in emerging markets, specifically in CIS countries. In my last role as a chief compliance officer at Uzauto, it's a holding company which combines around 75 companies which specialize in producing passenger and commercial vehicles of international brands such as General Motors, Volkswagen, MAN and ISUZU. And I was responsible for designing and implementing the corporate compliance program from scratch. So, together with our stakeholders and teamwork, we managed to create a world class compliance program that fully meets international standards and local regulations. At some point, I came to the conclusion that I need MBA to understand. The business itself uh, better and uh, i applied to several business schools it, it included canada australia and us and so within these business schools i chose pittsburgh business school first of all it offered me a full ride scholarship which covered 95 percent of my tuition fee and and also it has a good program, a good tailored program, including ethics and risk management, also sustainable business issues, which I'm really interested in because I think sustainable business is a part of compliance that I'm looking at during my study. Yes. Overall business, CATS Business School gave me a lot of opportunities and connections with professionals, academics, professors, to better understand the regulatory landscape in the U.S. in terms of compliance and corporate America itself.
1: So I'd like to turn now to compliance and related corruption issues in your home country. And you've broken down sort of the history of compliance really in in three phases. So I was wondering if you could just take us through the those phases. I think many of the listeners to this podcast are aware that several very high-profile FCPA cases came out of Uzbekistan, and maybe start with that and the reaction of your people and your government, and start with the origin and walk us through that.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Thomas. I should say that, as you mentioned correctly, there are three stages of corporate compliance development, and the first stage, I can call it like the stage of origin or formation, which includes the period between 2014 and 2017 when USDOJ and SAC initiated comprehensive investigation investigations against publicly traded telecom companies such as Vion, formerly known as Wimplecom, MTS and Telia, for making improper payments in favor of Uzbek officials to enter and continue operating in the Uzbek telecom market. And these events these events marked the beginning of designing and implementing corporate compliance standards in the private sector. I should point out this moment. Eventually the business community got informed about what is FCPA, what is the SAC, what is a conflict of interest, how to do business in an ethical way. Also I should say that when we signed uh, the Deferred Prosecution Agreement with DOJ, we also contributed to the spreading of compliance standards via Wimplecom, And I think we did a good job in terms of uh, increasing the awareness compliance issues within Uzbek business community. And the second phase is related to the change of president and government in Uzbekistan. This period covers 2017 and onwards. The government's anti-corruption and anti-bribery policy has changed drastically. For example, the Uzbek parliament adopted anti-corruption law in 2017, which defines several important concepts, including corruption, corruption offenses, and conflict of interest. Also, I should mention that the law on public procurement, uh, was passed, and it, it ensures transparency and openness openness in public procurement operations. And the last stage is related to the establishment of the anti-corruption agency of Republic of Uzbekistan. The, this agency is a specially authorized state body responsible for the formation of anti-corruption policy in the country. And this agency reports to the president of Uzbekistan, and it's accountable to the chambers of Uzbek parliament. Yes, Thomas, do you have... Any questions so far? No, nope. just keep going. You're going. And also, I should mention about the main tasks of this agency. There are two main tasks of this agency. The first one is the implementation of compliance control and other anti corruption instruments within the government bodies and legal entities including banks with state share. And the second one is analysis of the effectiveness of anti-corruption control system in the field of public procurement, the use of budget funds, loans of international organizations, and the sale of state assets. So overall, these two stages, and the corporate compliance development in Uzbekistan. So far. With
1: regard to the agency itself, have
0: you had the opportunity to interact with the agency? Sure. I was, in, yes, I was invited to conferences organized by this agency, along with UNDP, United Nation Development Program. I also spoke about compliance issues, how it's developing in state-owned companies, because at that time I represented Auto. Company, which is a state-owned company, I raised some issues, difficulties in terms of implementing a uh, designing and implementing compliance programs in state-owned companies. Yes. I interacted also, I consulted the agency because it was at that time it was a new agency, new staff with lack of expertise at that time. Yes. I shared, I contributed, consulted them in terms of designing policies, compl- compliance-related policies, which then uh, distributed across state-owned companies and Yes.
1: Let me change the focus just a little bit and flip it. If you were an American or Western European, United Kingdom, or even a Brazilian company, and you wanted to do business in Uzbekistan, what would you say are the two or three biggest challenges for a Western company around bribery and corruption in Uzbekistan? Is it the new law? Is it dealing with the agency, dealing with the state-owned enterprises, or perhaps something
0: different? So if I were an investor from Western countries or other emerging markets, in terms of corruption, also the first contact point is, of course, is the agency, because it has broad knowledge about the big picture about Uzbekistan. And also, I should mention that there are some challenges in terms of understanding the risk profile or just understanding the corruption landscape. Because when we talk about designing and implementing compliance program, we need to think about the support of from leadership of country leadership or from country leadership and company leadership if we take a high level or low level right and the risk assessment is the must-have and my understanding investors should look at the institutional voids because it's a special term right in business community when you enter to emerging markets you need to look at the institutional voids how the law is enforced by, uh, state agencies do you have any intermediaries uh, in terms of interpreting the laws how the law is work in the country as i mentioned the agency itself it's an international intermediary party between the country and business community and the investors should contact them directly to understand the landscape as a whole
1: I'd like to turn to some of the challenges you faced at Uzato, particularly during the pandemic. And so I was wondering if you could talk about how you were, first of all, here in the United States, we were either locked down and all working from home, or if you Mm -hmm. were deemed a critical industry, you could return to the office. But even then, it was usually a hybrid working model, some from home, some at the office. How did that impact what you were doing at Uzado in Uzbekistan in the 2020 time frame?
0: Yeah, the most moment in my experience um, is related to COVID-19 because, as you may know, there were a lot of workplace safety protocols and work-from-home practices, and that led to tons of communication across the organization, across my organization. So I can call this challenge like communication challenge. So this communication, communications became more complex as employees located in different locations and our essential functions required tailoring policies and procedures, compliance policies and procedures. In order to address this challenge, we moved to online format. Automatically wrote new and updated policies and procedures to our employees, assigned attestation requirements, provided comprehension quizzes, and read, ran uh, ad hoc reports. And the second challenge is related to conducting effective investigations. During and I should say that prior to pandemic, our investigation operations were manual and paper-based. And in that situation, we experienced in reducing access to materials, documents, or face-to-face interviews. And uh, as a solution, we just created a central database of reports related to our employees' reports or incidents. And we streamlined our manual processes to make more effective so that it could match with automation. So we automated all investigation steps, for example, from intake to case closure. So we managed to automate everything because of COVID-19 and pandemic. So these two challenges, communication and investigation challenges, we faced, yeah.
1: You spoke a little bit earlier about the need for the involvement of leadership, the business right. leadership. And so I was wondering if you could give us your thoughts on why Tone at the Top is so important for building out a compliance program. My
0: experience showed that just to have a robust compliance program, you need to have first leadership buy-in. without the leadership support you cannot. You are not able to build good compliance program. That's my experience shows. And the third, second thing is once you have a leadership support, you need to start thinking about designing and conducting a proper risk assessment analysis about your, so it can include the industry itself, the business model of your organization, geographic location, supply chain, operations, customers, products, and et cetera. So once you understand these things, you will get a good foundation to implement your ethical and compliance program. But as I mentioned before, the leadership, the active leadership support is essential. It's critical. Even at my business school, so we talk a lot of leadership buying how to convince leadership that the compliance, for example, can create a business value. it should not be like a must-have issue, but it should be presented like the compliance itself. Of the program can create a business value for your organization so that the business executives can fully support this program. And the ownership itself, because you once you convince the leadership, they feel accountable about the compliance program, right? It's it's not about your problem, it's our problem. So we are fully involved and we as a the whole team, as a family, we can go forward in terms of ethical business, conducting ethical. Business.
1: I'd like to ask you a little bit about your experience at the University of Pittsburgh. I have to believe it was quite a different culture for you moving to the University of Pittsburgh, and then the University of Pittsburgh. But What are two or three of the real
0: highlights for you during your time at the MBA studies program? I had a couple of good courses at Katz Business School. The first one is Fundamentals of Consulting, I should say, I should mention about this because I read one book, it's named Trusted Advisor. And also the professor just helped us to interpret this book through his course and I came to the conclusion that the relationship between the leadership and the consultant, in-house or external, doesn't matter, is essential in terms of what we do, what we can create for the organization. And the second thing is I should mention about sustainable business. I'm talking about the ownership, creating ownership between the stakeholders, right? So they could be board of directors, shareholders, executives, uh, customers, employees. So it's essential to create the uh, family-based ownership to to achieve a success. So this, this ownership can be applied to any areas of business like compliance, supply chain, sustainable business. And of course, we don't, we shouldn't forget about the creation of value creation, right, for organization. It's not about uh, uh, just following the procedures and policies. Overall, it should create a value for the organization. As I told you, leadership buying, creating ownership, great ownership, great involvement from all stakeholders and the value creation. It's what I learned from my business school.
1: Hayon, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode, but I was wondering if our listeners wanted to perhaps connect with you or learn a little bit more about doing business in Uzbekistan, what would be the best way for them to
0: find out more about you? I have my LinkedIn profile, so you can find me. If you write my name Hayot Salijanov. Also, Tom also will post my contacts. So the first channel of reaching me out through LinkedIn. Also, I I shared with Tom my email address. So you can contact me through the email as well. Also, I'm open to any opportunities, questions. If you have any questions about Uzbekistan, I'm willing to help you. Because I have a real great experience and insights about Uzbekistan in terms of doing business. In ethical way.
1: I forgot to ask you a little bit earlier, when do you when
0: are you schedule to graduate? Actually, I'm gradi- graduating this February, at the end of February, actually. After gradu- gradu- graduation, I'm planning to do my career in compliance. Yes, in corporate compliance.
1: I wish you best of luck, and I greatly hope that you and I can continue this conversation on your
0: journey through compliance as well, Hayek. Yeah. I'm really anticipating to maintain our conversation in the future.
1: This is Tom Fox again. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the FCPA Compliance Report. If you'd like to be a guest on the FCPA Compliance Report, I'm always looking for folks. Or if you'd like to be on one of my other podcasts on the Compliance Podcast Network, give me a shout at tfox at com. The FCPA Compliance Report course, is the award-winning FCPA Compliance Report, and it's a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c Radio.com.